Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I then go past by six feet and miss again. I lose that hole, and we lose the match. We lose by one. We lose the match, and it's my fault. It is. It's no question now about it. Now, if you bang the first butt by the hole, didn't you just look at your playing partners and go, that was good. There's <laughs> no good. I'm this one up. No, there's no good. <laughs> I was going to say. There's no good. Um, the other people have to tell you it's good. You can't say it for yourself. It's good, right? You can't say that. Did you try your trick where you hit it between your legs backwards? No. I mean, well, I did on the fourth part because it was over. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. And they're playing off my ball. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Simply unbelievable. How I got to be a 13 overnight from a 20. How are you giving shots? Uh, just everybody. Just <laughs> outrageous. All right. So we're going to start today with the Kate Waters or Kate Walters mystery. I got the note, as I told you yesterday, with these three uh, ties that turn out to be Newhouse School Communications, Syracuse. All of them have orange. One of them has, is it the Constitution? It's something is written on it. Yes. The Bill of Rights or something. I'm not familiar with your constitution. Yeah, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. So Liz is getting two of them. I wore one yesterday on PTI. Okay. I, I wore one yesterday. I thought it looked really good. So Liz, I said I was sending him to Liz, and he goes, oh, I know. <laughs> that was his exact quote. Oh, I know. So, but Liz has to get them. We, yes. We, Liz has to get them. So anyway, if you recall, um, I was talking about a woman named Kate Waters, someone I had never met. And Michael, it was you who said, that is correct. What if it is Walters? And I said, well, if you look at the signature, the bar on the T goes across what would be the L and the the T. So I just assumed it was two T's. And you said, I just think this was a hybrid of cursive and just block lettering that you might be using cursive for your for your signature. But and that's why you might have been misled to think that this was just an added flourish when it also had the block L to it. Right. So it turns out you look up Kate Walters and she works at Syracuse University. And later in the show, I get a note from Rob Stronick saying, I know Kate Walters. It's a legitimate thing. Okay. And Carol uh, says, well, I would have thought it was Kate Walters. This is the same Carol who looked at the ties and looked at the note and said, what's this? I haven't read it. And I said, well, you've actually read it. I know you've read it because you said, who's this woman? You know, so I know you've read it. Who's so leaving ties on the porch? Let's try not to. Is there another woman? Distance ourselves quite like this. Anyway, here is a note. Hi, I'll clear up the mystery for you. I stayed across the street from you at the Carters for years. That was Al and Peg Carter. They had a small house that they lived in and they had a house next to them that they rented out all the time. Okay, Al and Peg. Before they tore the house down, uh, they sold the houses and tore down the larger house. And Brian Barry, who lives in a smaller house now, who is a builder, built a house which is now occupied by John and Sheila. Okay, it's right across the street from us. Okay. Before they tore the house down, as I had my morning coffee or afternoon drinks on the porch, I would see you walk the dog. I mentioned to my husband and family that you looked familiar, that I thought I'd met you somewhere. Finally figured it out a few weeks later while watching PTI that it was you. We never wanted to bother you or your bride, and every time I went on your porch, I let the Carters know. Since our house of 20 years is now a McMansion, it's, it's not really. We are over on Hickman with no famous neighbors that I know of to stalk. Enjoy the ties, just a little gift from me, and I promise to stay off your porch. Kate Walters, external relations assistant, SI Newhouse School of Public Communication. Isn't that lovely? It is lovely. And she's, uh, I guess she's a listener. 
or she wouldn't have said Mr. Tony. But maybe she's just a watcher. And if she's a watcher, then yesterday she got to see that tie on a white shirt underneath a blue sport jacket. And I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, it did. So I am grateful for that. Ty is ready for you to coach a play in 11-5 game and then make it to the Final Four. <laughs> exactly, run all the way through. <laughs> Something else. I went to some outlets. I don't like to go to outlets. I vowed I wouldn't go to the outlets, but in fact, I went to the outlets. You're afraid to go to the gym, but you'll go to the outlets. I went to two outlets, three outlets. I went to the Calvin Klein outlet okay. where I bought underpants, okay? And, and then I bought a pair of chinos, which I buy all the time. I'm now... They are they are the most vanity driven sizes in America. I could get into a thirty two at Calvin <laughs> Klein because I tried on a thirty six and it was like for an elephant. So I go there now. I have coupons. The coupons come in the mail. You got a coupon. <laughs> See, this is my, Michael is now laughing because this Michael believes I'm cheap and I may be cheap. And if I am cheap, I inherited it from my parents who lived through the depression. You know, you, there's one or two ways you go. You become extravagant. Or you hold on to everything. And I may have held on to everything. Okay. So um, I have the coupons. I have three coupons for 25% off one one purchase. And a fourth coupon for 20% off everything. And as I'm checking out at Calvin Klein, I go, will you take each one of these items and take 25% off? And they said, no, we're not playing that game. Mm. We'll we'll take the 20% off the total purchase. So for what would have cost about $100, something like that, it was like $75, whatever it was. Whatever it was, it was. And now I have left in my hand, I have three 25% off single item things. I go to Eddie Bauer, I go through quickly, it's just nothing I want. Every time I go to Eddie Bauer, I pretty much buy the same thing. I buy a winter coat. I have 20 of their winter coats, and they're not really good for the winter. They're good for the fall. They're good for the spring. They're not really good for the winter. So anyway, and then I go to Brooks Brothers. I always go to Brooks Brothers. I just go to Brooks Brothers. Yeah, see what's on display. Yeah, I don't really buy a lot of things, but I go to Brooks Brothers. The last time I was there, I bought a sport jacket. And the woman who dealt with me then looked at me and said, how many times have you worn the sport jacket? And I said, once or twice. She said, did you get any compliments? I said, not really, but I didn't get anybody saying it's awful, so I, I thought that was a win. And she says, great. And now I'm there. And, and actually, that sport jacket would look good with a pink shirt. And they got pink shirts all over the place. But I'm done buying shirts. I got 5,000 shirts. I'm not buying any more sh- That's it. I have bought my last shirt. But I do that thing that Michael knows I do all the time, which is I wander over to the clearance rack. Oh, yeah. I wander to the clearance rack, which is all the way, as you look into the store, as you walk into the store, all the way in the back right. You're the lost and found. There's men's clearance, and there's women's clearance. And things are usually discounted pretty well. And, and I got the coupons. I've got a coupon here for one, 25% off one item. This becomes important in a little while. I look and I see a sort of a, a, a button-up vest in that... Um, Cayenne color that you like so much, Michael, that you forced me to buy a, t- a T-shirt in that I, I don't really like. A L.L. Bean T-shirt. The church, church fine. I don't really like the color. In any case. The lake wash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in any case, it's not Lake Alagash. It's Lake Wash. Uh, Alagash is a beer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I try it on. They're all mediums. There's four mediums. And somebody says to me, well, maybe that'll run large. And they don't. 
Brooks Brothers, I've said this before too, is true and honest in terms of what the sizes are. Like if you think you're a 36 and you try on a pair of pants and you can't get into them, you're not a 36 because <laughs> that's 36. Yeah. They're not fooling around. So I try these things on, no good. And then I look a little bit to the right and there is a dark blue zip up all the way sweater. Not one of those quarter zips that everybody wears now that I think is okay, but I don't love. I love all the way up zips. I like those. Like, I like a Mr. Like Mr. Rogers type thing? Yes, like a Mr. Rogers type thing. Although Mr. Rogers also had button sweaters, but the zip up sweater. The house Mr. sweater. Yeah. He he that was in a zip up all the way. Because that was before quarter zips were invented. Yeah, the Q zip. So I picked this up. And if if people vamp for a while, I'm gonna hold it up. So I have two questions going back. If you have the Here's 25, my sweater. If you have for the those watching your news channel coupon, do you yeah. want to go high? What's your are you going for something you really want or are you trying to get the highest priced item to get the biggest bang for your reduction? I pass this to Nigel who will then pass it to Michael to feel it. It's a merino wool sweater. Oh yeah. It happens to be a large, it happens to fit very well. It's lovely. It's nothing I want because I've got 10 of these. <laughs> I don't want it. Right? You need to understand I don't want this sweater. But I look at the price. The original price is $165, and it's on the clearance rack. And now I want to see what it costs. It costs $49.99. So even if you figure that it's marked up triple, when you get to $49.99, that's pretty good. That's probably what it costs them, right? That's yeah. 50 bucks. One would think. They're going to sell it for $165. That's probably what it costs them. Mikey, you didn't even hold it up. You didn't I did. Even... I held it up. Did you, did you see the part where it says Brooks Brothers on the side? Did you see the I, side? I trust that a sweater that you picked up from Brooks Brothers No, 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 Brooks but on the Brothers. bottom, on, on the outside. Oh, it says it on? Oh, yeah. It's got, it's got a little, like a little, a little got, leather yeah. tab on it. Okay. So now it's $49.99, and now I'm intrigued. Oh, it's got pockets and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sweater. It's really good. Now, I'm intrigued. At $49.99, it's sort of like an auction. Can I interest you? At, at what price would you be intrigued by this? Right. You have well, my attention? At $49.99, I was intrigued, but I also knew I, also knew I had a coupon. At 20%. Now, I didn't even know. See this. I wasn't sure that a coupon would be honored For on a clearance. Yeah. I wasn't sure. So I walked over to my friend, and I said, would you take a coupon? And she said, sure. I said, oh. I said, do I? I think I may have a reward because of the sport jacket I, I bought. I think I may have a $10 reward. And she looked it up and she said, yeah, you do. I got this sweater for $27. <laughs> Which was this originally, one, what, $165? That's what it was marked at. $165 out the door. And I got it for $27. This is not as good as the pair of orange pants I once got for nothing. <laughs> for absolutely nothing. The only thing better than that would be if they had to you if you had enough stuff did to get this thing off the rack they had to pay you to get it out of here so i told michael this story since you're so cheap but it's now, not that you're cheap it's the fact that you're double dipping coupons you don't read the fine print and you bully these these clerks into giving you the the extra coupon well, no this was legit this was 25 percent off 50 bucks so that's what that's but you had a reward 10 off yeah and then i had another award for another 10 so it was 27 and change at that point. Now, I don't know that I'll ever wear this. I am thinking about giving it to my son. He was, but he thinks I'm so cheap. I will wear that as a house sweater for this show. I will leave it on the back of my chair at Uncle Benny's <laughs> table, and it will be like my scholarly robe. 
<laughs> but you have to admit, it's pretty nice. It's beautiful. It's pretty nice. And it's merino. It's not rum dum wool. <laughs> it's merino wool. Now, it's not cashmere. I grant you. It's not even a cashmere blend. No, but it's but it's merino wool. Now, I'm more into quarter zips. So eh. Yeah, I don't... So, like, yeah. But I, I like... I've got a million... I, I have so many clothes that when I die, which could be any day now because I'm so old, whoever gets my clothes is going to have a wardrobe beyond compare. You don't want to be buried with all your clothes? No, like I'm not Egyptian King Pharaoh? No, I'm not King Tut. Not my dog. <laughs> I don't want anybody live being buried with me. Not no. even the sun-faded chinos? Hmm? Well, those. I'd like to be. I'd like to be in the orange pants. <laughs> I'd like to be in the orange <laughs> pants. More Brooks Brothers. Stuff. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I wanted to tell those stories. I don't have anything else. I mean, I don't. There's no sports. I don't know what we're going to do on PTI today because nothing happened. Do you yesterday. watch Little League last night? No, we're I, bummed. I love, we're, we're I love on, when they do the intros. Yeah, we're on ESPN too. You were introduced. It was great. It was one of the proudest moments of my life in 1998 when they introduced you and everybody else on the Little League team up in Bristol, Connecticut. I was so proud of that. I still have that shirt. You should give. You should. Hold that shirt. Do you have it? I have it here. You don't have it with me. I you. don't have it with me, no. Capital City. has got Kornheiser on the back. 15, right? I yeah, think you yeah. were number 15. I don't remember anything else in my life, but I remember that. <laughs> I was really proud of I didn't that. get a single hit that series. Oh, but you hit five. the ball hard. Yeah. You hit the ball hard. I also got hit. Ooh, so you yeah. got first base. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. Um, you and Victor Robles. That's his <laughs> offense. He gets hit all the time. <laughs> so um, we're bumped. We're on ESPN2 today for Little League Baseball. And, you know... I could complain, but they, they draw a big number. Yeah, they do. They always get They good do numbers. better than us. So, I mean, if I'm the programmer, I'm going to put something on that does better than what I've got on. That's how we got on the air. They looked at the shows that were on, and they said, we could do better than this with a test pattern. Let's put these two dopes on and see what happens. We'll take a break. When we come back, Jason Luckenfora of uh, CBS Sports and his own radio show in Baltimore will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a SeatGeek ad, and it says, deliver the talking points with as much personal flair, language, style as possible. Oh, you know. Uh, what am I? I'm a Shakespearean actor? What? <laughs> you do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites cared? I don't have the app because I don't have any apps. I don't know what apps are, but you might. I have the app, and if we're done, when we're done, then we're well, it's we're done quickly. That's tremendous. Boom. For those people who don't speak Old English, um, can you tell them what the website is or the app is? Yeah, it's, you search your event. It's easy to find, and better yet, you'll get to this. They start to rate your yes. actual deal, so you can see what, what type of event you want to go to, how, how much do you want to spend. SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Wow. Then it rates each deal on a scale, as Michael alluded to, of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And I add parenthetically, in their opinion. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use the code TONY for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with the promo code TONY. Visit www.seatgeek.com or download the SeatGeek app today. Use the code TONY for $20 off your first SeatGeek order www.seatgeek.com This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Dwight Glenn of the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. 
And he writes, it's Dwight Glenn again from the official 70s rock band of the Tony Kornheiser show, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils, with two new songs. Both of them are released on albums and are vastly different examples of the fact that we are songwriters first and musicians second. This is called Yours and Mine. It's written by the founding and current member John Dillon. It's a beautiful composition with an amazing horn solo by longtime member Bill Jones. And Dwight Glenn says, thanks for playing our music. It's our... Pl- Believe me when I say this, and I said this about Shannon McNally. McNally, McNally, yeah. It's our pleasure. It is. It's our pleasure to play everybody's really great music. And this song plays in Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports and the Baltimore Radio Show that we will get to in a bit. And let me start with this. And I know you've visited a bunch of camps and you've done everything in the, what is it, the AFC Central now? Is that what that's called? North, the AFC Central. North, I prefer Central, AFC but North, they, they, yeah, they go whatever. by North now. That's fine. But let me get yeah, to something else doesn't first. matter. And this is about Peyton Manning, and I will concede that I'm fascinated by Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. It's a long time ago that I did Monday Night Football, but I, I got to talk to Peyton Manning before games three or four different times. And I never met an athlete. I'm not saying he's the smartest athlete I've ever met. Right. He's up there, but he's not necessarily. I mean, I'm, Jim Palmer may be the smartest athlete yeah. I've ever met. Cakes. But... Peyton Manning could take the temperature of any room immediately better than any athlete I ever met. And I, I was tremendous admirer of Peyton Manning for that particular quality, which I think you see when he's on television doing these commercials. And in fact, Peyton Manning's appearances on Saturday Night Live are the greatest yep. appearances by any athlete. It's not even close. It's yep. not even close. They're so great. When he threw the ball at that kid's head and knocked him down, I mean, he is... He understands entertainment. So, Jason, when he gives a speech at his induction to the Hall of Fame and he says, I'm staying in football. I'm staying in football. What does that mean? Because I don't really think he's going to do the booth unless it's with his brother like he's doing for ESPN this year. Because I, I don't think that's big enough for him. I think he could be commissioner, but maybe he wants to own a team. What is your sense yeah. of Peyton Manning staying in football? Um. You know, I, I I think it's a it's a Derek Jeterish path if if that um, is possible. Uh, it takes uh, a lot of um, resources. Obviously, it takes yep. a lot of cash. Yep. It takes a lot of wherewithal. It takes a lot of connections. It takes a little bit of luck, and it takes fortuitous timing. Um, and I, I think he's kind of I took sort of the, the gist of that as as him, you know, there's there's people in the game who would kind of feel like there's been a little bit of a war on football and people kind of trying to tear football down, whether through health yeah. and safety or obviously, you know, the whole Kaepernick situation and are enough kids playing it at the grassroots level and, um, you know, is has the game changed too much from what it used to be? So I think it was kind of a stand against that um, and sort of a mission statement. But but yeah, I think um, to put it into sort of re- reality, like what does that look like? What he's doing with with Eli will probably be a massive success. Um, yes, I think yes. the broadcast. Sort I'd of like genre to produce is, it. Is, right, it's already trending towards. Um, non-traditional sort of, I mean, kind of back to what you were, you know, back, you mentioned you on, on, on Monday Night Football. It's kind of yeah. 
back there where things are more experimental and you've got these stat casts and you've got these um, broadcasts with a whole bunch of coaches sitting around with, with whiteboards saying what they see. So I think that'll be a hit, but I think he has designs on on winning in a different way, winning as the sort of team president slash you know minority owner uh, who gets to set and chart the course for an entire organization and hire the coach and hire the GM and work with them and work with the business people um, to, to re, you know, sort of have team manning in, in that way. Um, and he lives in Denver, and most people in the think the Denver Broncos will be for sale in 2022. And he's very well connected there. And who wouldn't, you know what I mean, if you're coming in from the outside and you're the billionaire, who, who you know, who better than Peyton Manning to have as your sort of um, right-hand man and, and the guy who's, who's kind of going to steer the ship because he knows all the people, he knows the coaches, he knows the players, he knows the trainers, right? I mean, he's all ball, and it goes back generations with his dad. So he, that, that timing might turn out to be pretty good, and maybe he doesn't even have to move. He doesn't even have to uproot the family. Who knows? Would John Elway step aside for him? Well, I, I mean, it, or would John it, Elway not have that choice if, if somebody else? Who the ownership in. group is, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and yeah. sort of where they're aligned and what they prefer, and do they want a completely clean slate? Um, but you know that that won't be the only team either. I mean, the, these things are cyclical, and sometimes they, they they tend to come in waves, and sometimes it's in you know drips or drops. But I, I, it's pretty well known throughout the industry that. A role like that is something that Peyton Manning would covet. Not necessarily commissioner of the whole league, but as an I don't owner think in the so. league. I haven't okay. heard that. I, I mean, it's not a it's not a bad thought by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I don't know that that like he, he's an assassin. He's a competitor. You know, as much as he can be self deprecating, and you, to your point, has amazing communication skills and can kind of see which way the wind's blowing and, and, and play to that room. And, and he could be um, a consensus builder, and I, I think there's part of the, the commissioner job being the face of football that might appeal to him, but you don't you, – you're rooting for all 32 teams, you know, and I don't know yeah. that that's where his, yeah, that's you know, sort of how he's wired. Uh, that's interesting. Do you, do you, you talk to more athletes than I talk to. Do you have that same view of Peyton Manning that I do, that, yeah. that he's, he's just remarkable in terms of understanding exactly what's going on in front of him? It's, yes. it's really yes. a great he can gift. Sort of, he can sort of diagnose situations and diagnose scenarios, kind of like he could diagnose a defense at the line of scrimmage. Yes, um, yes, yes. I, 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 I would totally agree with that. He's, he's, yeah. he's very smart. He's very funny. Um, he's very driven. Uh, but but make no mistake, he, he <laughs> you know you talk to offensive linemen, you talk to equipment guys, you talk like he, he's he's also very demanding and and he holds himself to a ridiculously high standard, and that's the same for everybody around him. And, and sometimes it's it's um, he expects more than someone like. There's so much greatness in him, you know what I mean, that sometimes in the heat of battle, he, he can demand more than, frankly, certain individuals just have the physical ability, wherewithal, gifts to provide. 
Very much like Brady, and it was yes. it, it meant it meant something to me that Brady was there, mm-hmm. that Brady was there. I mean, they're yeah. they're pals, and they and there's obviously mutual respect. Let me go to somebody else who I don't think is as respected at the moment. Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. Um, it wouldn't bother me as much if Kirk Cousins said, I don't want to take this vaccine because I have a particular religious belief or I have a particular autoimmune system problem and I'm not going to take this vaccine. That wouldn't bother me as much as when Kirk Cousins gets up there and says the following, I'll do anything I can to help this team. And you go, well, take the vaccine. You know, you know what I mean? What, yeah. what is this? What is the consensus on Kirk Cousins now? And then I'll get to Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I don't know about consensus. Um, but you're going to build it. I mean, it's just you're going to build a plexiglass cocoon for yourself inside the building that you can move around in and have in. You know, in the quarterback's room, like that's that makes more sense to him than getting vaccinated. I, I don't know, Tone. Um, I don't know what to say. It's it's uh, it's unusual. Um, it strikes many people as as bizarre and, and disconnected. Because you're right, you're you're sitting there saying, "Well, I'm all team." But you know, eighty percent of the of the, and here's the thing too: when they give these numbers, okay, and the team says, "Well, we're at you know eighty-seven percent vaccinated or sixty-eight percent vaccinated," Tony, that's just the players. Everybody else in that building, and it takes a lot of people to run a football operation. Everybody else, the you know the the marketing people who are in the building, the executives, the people you know tending to the field, the people making sure the players are okay, um, the the training staff, the equipment staff, they're all vaccinated. So the number is really much higher than what's being announced. If you look at you know if you look at the totality of those buildings and the totality of the people power that it takes to keep a team afloat and, and you know, day after day through a season. And they're part of it as well. And it, it, you need all of that to make this thing go. So, so the reality is those like Kirk Cousins who refuse to do this are, are even in a more um, – of a minority than than the numbers you know of of players who are vaccinated or unvaccinated would have you believe um, you know and and if you don't play these games it's it doesn't just affect players it it affects you know the people who work in concession stands it affects, so I, I guess to to hear this idea that some espouse that they're truly, you know, that I'm the ultimate man for others, and I I understand what's going on here, yet they continue to go down a path which which could lead to um, more um, financial and, and, and professional and, you know, just the standings and the ability to make the playoffs and all this stuff that you work so hard for. I, I just, I just don't get it. Um, but he's not alone. You know, he's not no. alone. No, even he's not at the quarterback position. No, no, he's not. Um, 
Sam Darnold famously about a month ago said, I'm going to have to do more research, which means he's going to have to do some research because he didn't do any research. <laughs> Lamar Jackson has now contracted this virus twice. Yeah. Twice. That's weird because you think to yourself, if you've actually had it, right. you have antibodies and you won't get it again, but it's twice. He was asked, I thought he was asked, well, you're going to get the vaccine now, and I, I think he was noncommittal. Yeah. And he was noncommittal. What is that? Basically, the takeaway was he's not. I mean, um, yeah. If you sort of listen to that exchange uh, in its entirety uh, from from his first meeting with the media, it was pretty clear that you know as of right now he's, he's not doing. He's it. content to move forward. I mean, the part about research though is just like there's the, between the NFLPA and 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 the league as a whole and the individual teams and what the coaches have brought in and what who the trainers have brought in and, and they're. they're the volume of information um, from directly from experts in either over a Zoom or in the form of pamphlets and, and downloadable information or just what's being sent to them through email from these various entities. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't know who the like ulterior sources are, but like the medical community um, it's it's all been available to them. You know what I mean? They've had they've 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 brought those people into buildings or put them on video. They don't want to take it. It's, the people who haven't taken it, they don't want to take it. Which leads right. to this. Then you you cover the league. That leads to this in every single sport. It leads to this. What do your teammates think of you? You are putting them in jeopardy financial yes. jeopardy, medical jeopardy. You're the quarterback. You're the quarterback, the leader. What do your teammates think of you? Will this fracture a team? It's not out of the, the realm of possibility, Tony. Um, if, if what happened in Minnesota, specifically at the quarterback position, happens again three months from now, and they're about to play the Green Bay Packers, and they're a game behind them, and you have a situation where – not only do they miss one game, but even if you're just a close contact, and let's just say hypothetically that Kirk Cousins' you know plexiglass bubble doesn't work, and he's still not vaccinated, he you're, you're talking the potential for ten days, mul multiple games. Whereas we know this is built in a way through the tiers and through the protocols that if you had the shot, it, it might just be three days. So could that? Fracture a team, and you're you're playing some quarterback on the fly who hasn't taken any snaps. Um, yeah, I, I I think you could listen to Mike Zimmer talk about this thing for the last two months. Like, does does he see a doomsday scenario where it wrecks his his season and wrecks his locker room? He absolutely does. I think he yeah. probably sees it every night before he falls asleep. No, I agree with that. All right, it's good. This was good to talk about. This is good. Plug your radio show for us. Uh, we do talk a little bit of this stuff, but also plenty of ridiculousness in Baltimore sports on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Weekdays from 2 to 6 tone, unless we're preempted by Orioles baseball, which we will be this Thursday. Um, you can also stream us at www.1057thefan.com or uh, listen on the Odyssey app wherever you may be, and yes, Lamar Jackson is certainly a prominent uh, topic of discussion these days.
So the next time we talk, well, I know you talked to Joe Burrow at length, and we'll talk about that. I just thought I got distracted with Peyton Manning and Kirk Cousins hey, today. I'm, I'm with you, brother. Yeah. Wherever you want to go, you're driving, and I'm I'm in the little sidecar, and away we go. <laughs> Jason Lock and Fora, boys and girls. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will you take it, a buddy. break. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Richard Justice, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a Simply Safe ad, and, and they got very personal with this one, which I really like. When Simply Safe Home Security's founders, Chad and Eleanor Lawrence, designed their first security system in their kitchen, they did it for a very personal reason. Their friends had just had their home broken into. They were struggling to find a security system that was simple to set up and would make them feel safe again. Making people feel safe is what Simply Safe has been doing ever since that moment 15 years ago. Like you can see, you can see somebody narrating this and Chad and Eleanor wearing members only jackets from a long time back, <laughs> sitting in the kitchen doing this deal. I Turning like this. the lights off after they come up with that great idea. Yeah. A passion to protect people not only drives every engineering detail in its products, but it motivates every interaction with its customers. And the thing is, Simply Safe just makes it so easy. It takes about two minutes to customize a system on their website, simplysafe.com slash Tony. My, my anecdotal um, testimony here is that as I walk the dog. Everywhere. Yeah, I see a lot of Simply Safe signs right around here. And the former studio was kept safe by Simply, Simply Safe. Safe. Simply Safe has highly trained security experts ready whenever you need them, whether there's during a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency, or even just when you're setting up the system. There's always someone there who has your back to keep you safe and make sure you feel safe. A listener to this show. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Sounds like a good deal. Month free and 20% off. Just visit Simply Safe. It's S I M P L I. SimplySafe.com slash Tony to customize your system and start protecting your home and family. That's SimplySafe.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. This is called Berlin Wall, and they apologize for the quality of the cut, but realize this is a demo cassette of a recording done in 1973 of a song written and performed by our lost brother and poet laureate, Steve Cash. We think it shows the rawness of the creative process. Again, Ozark Mountain Daredevils. You can listen to their wonderful music when this podcast is over, or you can go to it right now and just skip me. Michael, if people want to send their music, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. Richard Justice joins us now, and because he knows Wilbon almost as well as I know <laughs> Wilbon, he will appreciate this, that Wilbon has now anointed the Chicago White Sox. He has gotten off the Chicago Cubs he swears he will not put on a White Sox hat, but you and I both know he will put on a White Sox hat <laughs> when they make the playoffs, and he will go to Comiskey. He would rather go to Wrigley, but he will go to Comiskey. How, uh, the White Sox last night, boom, first batter up, hits it out, and then Eloy Jimenez gets up, boom, hits it out. They scored a billion runs. Now, they played a bad team, I grant you, but what do you, what do you want them to do? They did everything they were supposed to do. How good are the White Sox, Richie? The White Sox are scary good, and the the more the bigger the thirty thousand foot uh, view of this team is, it's one of the quickest rebuilds ever. I mean, if you're following the Nationals or some of these teams, the Cubs, some of these teams that are tearing it up. I mean, they decided only three and a half years ago to tear it up. They traded Chris Sale, they traded Jose Quintana, Adam Eaton, 
and they got back a bounty. They got back Eloy Jimenez. I think he's hit four homers the last two games. Lucas Giolito, Johan Moncada, and they did. They, the teams like this deserve to be rewarded because their player development system produced Jose Abreu, who is one of the great clubhouse leaders I've ever been around. This guy is is a man among men, apart from what he does on the field. They produced Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, and then when it was time to spend money, they spent money. They spent money on Yasmani Grandal, who's probably the second best catcher in baseball, and they spent money on Dallas Keuchel. It is, it is, you know, a couple... It is damn near a perfect storm of everything you want a baseball team to be. And what do they do at the trade deadline? They have a great closer in Liam Hendricks, a great closer. And they go out they and get another, another closer in Craig yep. Kimbrell. And, um, it's, that's, and, and when you do something like that, your front office is sending a message to your team. You guys are good enough. You guys can do this. Go get them. And uh, they are a formidable team to play. So let, let me get to what I think is if you're – a sports writer, the story you, you're going to want to write. Because it's not that long ago when this happened. It's less than a calendar year ago when this happened. When Jerry Reinsdorf said, the one mistake I made in my life was firing Tony La Russa or allowing Ken Harrelson to fire Tony La Russa. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to get Tony La Russa for this team, even though he's 9,000 years old. I'm going to get him. And people are going to say he can't relate to the modern player. And he's going to have trouble with a DUI or something like that. And all of this, Reinsdorf stood by him. It feels like vindication, but is the team just so good that anybody could manage it, or do you see LaRusso's hand in it? You know LaRusso a long time. Yeah, uh, I definitely see his hand in it. And uh, there's two points to this. One is the manager that got fired, Ricky Renteria, is one of the finest people. And I, by mistake, happened to get to be in the clubhouse for one of the morning meetings. Every manager has a morning spring training meeting to uh, set the tone for the day. And he is not what people think. He is funny. He is smart. And I feel bad, badly that this worked out this way for him. But he, you went and got arguably the greatest manager of all time. And, yeah. I, Tony, I could tell you a million stories about relating to players. You know, there was this thought. He will not be able to relate. Tony at 76 will not be able to relate to the modern player. Tim Anderson is a bat flipper. He's, he's a guy that represents the new player when we want players to show their personality and all that. That was all BS. Tony has a, he, he understands the, the buttons you have to push with every player. I mean, I can tell you about team meetings he had with the Cardinals, you know, when everybody was hurt. And in just the way he would, he knew what to say to every single guy. That was his strength, and that is not going to change because he's seventy something years old. I mean, what when he, I first got to know him when he was a very young manager, manager, and you would see him around the batting cage picking the brains of Sparky Anderson and and Earl Weaver. He wanted to understand the game, and a lot of what the modern game is, and you can decry it if you want to, the the, the bullpen usage and all of that came from Tony LaRusso. And I remember one time he was in Oakland. I was complaining about Ricky Henderson. And as a sports former sports writer, you know this, like sometimes you get stiffed or a guy makes you wait and wait and wait. And I'm bitching about Tony, uh, about Ricky Henderson to Tony. And he looks at me and goes, you, you don't get it, do you? The great ones, and he's a great one, the great ones all are a little different. They all have some special needs. And it's my job 
And in a way, it would be your job to understand what those are and to help him be the best he can be. The guy is a brilliant psychologist. And everything, you know, you can't just put a team out there. You have to set a tone every day. And Tony Stone is compete, compete, compete. When they clinched the division, when the Cardinals would, would clinch the division, he would uh, say to the guys, you have to continue to play at the same level. If you're hurt, take time off, blah, blah, blah. One of the great managing jobs, I think it was the last time they won a World Series, he holds a team meeting with like six weeks to go, and he shows them the schedule, and he writes on the last day of the season, Chris Carpenter. And they were out of it by then, and they had guys hurt. And he goes, um, Chris is going to pitch this game, 162, and that's going to be to clinch a playoff berth. And it wasn't. He, they clinched the day before, but they came from nowhere to do it. And uh, it was pretty, pretty astonishing. I think he's, he's the gold standard for every manager. He started managing long before the word analytics came into right. the vocabulary. How has he adjusted? I mean, that would have been a, le- a reasonable fear that analytics have overwhelmed the particular game and he would be resistant to it. I don't see Tony LaRusso as resistant to anything, honestly, because I think he's smart enough to know, let's take what we can from this thing or that thing or the other thing. But I, I, I wonder if you have a sense of him and analytics. Yeah, I, I wondered how he would deal with the avalanche of information. You would go into his office at 2.30 in the afternoon, and there was Tony doing his spray chart where various guys hit the ball um, most of the time and where you want the defensive guys to play. He would be doing it. It seems there with a ruler and a red felt-tip pen uh, drawing up cards for each player, doing it himself. So I knew that in this modern age where you know where to throw the ball, you know where to play the defenders because there is a mountain. And the challenge for every manager is how much of it do we use and how do we transmit it to the players so it's useful. And I think in that way, Tony will want the information, but I think he will understand that you have to still make it a simple game for the players. And that's the challenge in the analytics age. Like, we know everything, but... Sometimes knowing you can know too much, so I, I knew he would be he would be good with that. I just I just wondered, you know, how he would deal with all of it that you have. Sometimes it's it's just absolutely it's absolutely too much at times. You know, it really is killing me that if the White Sox win, that Wilbon is going to just claim them. You know that. Well, I you know he will claim them. It's just, it's just I've been a, so. I, how I have suffered. I have been a, I've been a White Sox fan since you know July fifteenth. Yeah, right. uh, look, I think the Dodgers are still great. I think they're yeah. the best team, and and I think they got better with Scherzer and Turner. And I think Scherzer striking out Altuve the way he did was saying hello to the rest of the world. You think I was lost for a while? I'm not lost. Uh, <laughs> they are the favorites, are they not? Even though they're behind the Giants. They are. They're yeah. behind the Giants. Right. Well, the Giants are one of the great, are the, the best story in sports. This, that general manager, Farhan Zaidi, understands, is, has an ability to evaluate players better than anybody. And while their core group, Crawford, Belt, Posey, they're having renaissance years, but he found bargains in Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson and Donovan Solano and Alex Wood. I mean, they, it's amazing what the Giants have done. The Dodgers need to get Kershaw back, and the pitcher they acquired from uh, Kansas City, Danny Duffy, 
Looks like he's only going to. It looks like Kershaw and Duffy could both be available for the last two or three weeks of the season, and that's it. Is that enough to get you in? But what Andrew Friedman built there, he built a team that was flexible, a team where players could play a variety of positions, and they are they are in so many ways they are the gold standard for for Major League Baseball in 2021. That, yeah, that's what I think. I mean, I look at them. I look at the everyday lineup. I look at what they've done. I look at how the team is built. And I think that ultimately the Dodgers are the best team. I notice that the Phillies are rolling now, although part of that is beating the Nats, a triple-A <laughs> team at this point. But the Phillies are rolling, and they've right. spent some money. And they've fired Gabe Kapler, who's now managing the Giants and is going to be the manager of the year if La Russa isn't. He's go- he probably will be the manager of the year. And they brought in Joe Girardi, who, uh, although Wilbon likes him because he went to Northwestern, is hardly a sympathetic character in the rest of baseball. What do you think of the Phillies and what they're doing? Uh, undefeated in the month of August. Bryce Harper is out of his mind. And I yep. saw a piece written by somebody on Bryce Harper. So there's this larger truth that has taken hold. It's not even a truth that he's been a disappointment. What he, his MVP no. season was one of the great years any player's ever had, and it's hard to measure up to that. He's coming pretty close this year to doing that. But there's others. You know, and you do, when you do it the way the Phillies have done it, when you tell your fans, we're going to spend money and, and, and we're going to do everything we can, we're committed to winning because we know what it was like here when we, we finished first place five straight years. And they've done that with Ria Muto, who is, oh, my gosh, has, has he been great. They spent money on Zach Wheeler, who's been fantastic. So... They uh, are the real deal. They, it was very controversial, at least to me, to bring back their center fielder, Odubel Herrera, after Herrera. the domestic abuse thing. And, but he has been great, and what you, what you see is he's a, a guy that they rally around in the clubhouse and all. Um, they're, really, they're really good. The division's been a disappointment. The Braves haven't yes. been what we thought. The Nats collapsed. Yes. And the Mets are a mess right now. But, uh, yeah, they're the goal. They're really, really good. That's what I think, too. I think that their everyday lineup is awfully good. Their bullpen is disastrous. So I think you tonight know, but, we have yeah. – Yeah, I'm sorry. I think tonight we have Aaron Nola versus Max Scherzer in, at Dodger Stadium. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that would be something if I could watch it, if I could stay up, but I can't <laughs> stay up. But that would be pretty good. I'll get you out of here on this. I know that personally you like A.J. Hinch a lot. Um, and I know that you will affirm that he had to go. Given everything that happened in Houston, he had to go. He landed at a very, very bad team, and all of a sudden, they're very much improved. What are the qualities that you think Hinch has that allows him to improve a bad team immediately? Like La Russa, and I think this is really, this was the Bill Parcells rule, you know that winning that day's game is the most important thing in his life. I mean, he is a Stanford grad, and he's a smart guy, but he's absolutely focused. And players would ask him in Houston, like, what would you do on the off day? I watch baseball. That's what I do. And he got thrown out of a game one in a 7 nothing game one time over a little a rule argument, and the players are going, damn, you, you, you're not kidding when you say everything matters. He's a greatest people person I've ever been around. He makes you feel like the 10 minutes he's spending with you are the best 10 minutes of his day. He, no, he represents the franchise in a great way. Um, he's just really, really good. And he stepped into a, a situation that's turning around quickly. They have, dra- they have had high draft picks, and they've drafted pretty well. 
they've got a if you play them, they've got there's a chance you're going to hit a buzzsaw with one of their young pitchers or something like that. They're not there yet, and it's you know right. it's different between accumulating talent and and putting a winning roster together. But they appear to be on their way, and good for him. Yeah, yeah, I know you like him, and and I don't know how history's going to judge him. I think he's got to well, go win somewhere else. I think that's right, important but Tony, let me for just him. Say this. There's pretty much evidence now that the Astros were cheating in 17, 18, and 19. That it didn't just end after the 17 World Series. And in the game, in the ALCS against the Yankees, um, he was asked about the whistling that was coming on from, coming from the Astros' dugout. And it was such that Aaron Boone went to home plate and said, Now, didn't you tell us, did, weren't we told that there would be none of that BS? Because that's got to stop. And when A.J. was asked about it, he was acted, this was, remember, this was before anybody knew what was going on. He acted totally offended, let somebody come on the record, let somebody put their name on it. Well, a, couple of, a month later, somebody did, Mike Fires, and yeah. History yeah. Of the history, his history and the history of the Houston Astros has changed since then. Absolutely, 100%. Thank you, Richie. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls. It's, it's always a pleasure to have Richie. We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a policy genius ad. As you prep for back-to-school season, slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list between buying a, protra- a protractor. God, it's a long time for that <laughs> word. And some number two pencils. Wow. Policy just good copy. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer's almost over and responsibility is about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality and get life insurance done now with Policy Genius. You can get free quotes in minutes. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes for over a dozen top insurers all in one spot. Why compare? Well, because you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes of Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year, kids, on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you. They don't work for the insurance company, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening, you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I hate it here. Come get me. Come get me. The summer's here. You've got this kid, so you ship him away like your parents did. You drop him off. Starts to cry, then you shrug your shoulders and you wave goodbye. See you in two months, kid. Oh, your only son. Oh, I don't mean to invade, but his psyche is made of wet paper mache. Step through the heart, and you're to blame. You give your son a sad face. Sad face. 
The incomparable Robert Byrd <laughs> writing an ode, borrowing from John Bon Jovi to put Michael's postcards to us in context. What do you think of that? It's pretty good. Again, your, your mistake was saying to me, if you don't like it here, I'll come get you. You can never do that. Right. But... I might go upstairs and find that postcard. <laughs> I might I might face the drawing that I've not seen in what now, 20 years? It's a long time. Oh, it's more than 20 years. Um, do you want to do Bethesda Bagels? Bethesda Bagels, we, we love them. today. Yes, we uh, we love them. You My would as well. Family. Just just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. We're ready to tackle 95 with those. There That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I know something about love. Gotta want it bad. If that guy's got it in your blood, go out and get him. If you want him to be the very part of you, makes you want to breathe, here's the thing to do. Tell him that. You never going to leave them. Tell them that. You're always going to love them. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them right now. Those are the exciters from the 1960s. That song is over 60 years old. Yeah. It's their one hit. It's great. It's great. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockenfora and Richard Justice. Thanks to today's sponsors, SeatGeek, Simply Safe, and Policy Genius. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. This is written by Michael Caschio in Potomac, Maryland. It's on the occasion of yet another disastrous Wando Swero outing, the last one from last week. It's with apologies to Bob Dylan. How many times can a pitcher lose a game before they trade him away? How many times must the Nats blow a lead before he's sent to AAA? And how many times can I swear at Swero because he's given one away again? The answer, Nats fans, is a franchise going insane. The answer is season down the drain. From... Uh, Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings, of course. Dear Mr. Tony, wow. How would you rank Nats relievers in terms of their deportation priority status? <laughs> During tenure as a Nat, Blake Trinan, Brad Hand, the wandering Swero, or a write-in candidate? I don't know. I Brad Hand, for me. Because, you know, Wander Swero didn't close. He just lost the games early. <laughs> you know, and now, well, maybe Wander Swero, because he never cares about the runs he let, lets never in. Never cares. He doesn't Drugs. care. And then when he's done with the inning, nonchalantly walks in like, I did my job, didn't I? <laughs> Uh, from Bill Mickless. Dude. Yeah, Sean Dillon. Also on that list, yeah. Beltway Mithron. <laughs> Brad Hand, first appearance for the Toronto Blue Jays oh, to start the 10th. Wild pitch, RBI single, ball, strike, strike, throw over the first two-run homer. 2-2 two -two tie becomes 5-2. Not just Midwestern Canada, but an entire country knows the pain you felt when he was in D.C. <laughs> Chip Robinson in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Let me assuage the anguish of your Brad Hand bereavement by restoring some perspective. Imagine you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, as am I, you're watching the Reds against the Mets last Saturday. It's 4-3 Reds in the bottom of the ninth, and Heath Hambry has bounced back from walking the leadoff hitter by striking out the next two. Further imagine that an earlier wild pitch had sent the leadoff man a second. Now, you're a reasonable baseball fan. Heck, you're on the WAF at an actual baseball stadium. So what do you do? You only need one out. It's the bottom of the ninth. There's a runner on second. What do you do, Mr. Tony? Well, I'll tell you what David Bell did. He goes to Doolittle. <laughs> Doolittle, what? Line drive to center, tie game, Reds lose in 10. So, yeah, my heart breaks that you've had Brad Hand for half the season. It's good to read it with the anger. John Tagliarini in a Kenny, Iowa, and Kenny, Iowa. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but did you begin the Chuck Culpepper interview? Said you read his article online? I thought the internet at your house only powered the email machine, not the actual internet us littles use. Tell Peter Contini, La Cheeserie. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I subscribe to the Post, and sometimes before I get the paper, like the night before, 
And they also don't put things in every single day. No. Like they wait a while for some things. Yeah. So if I can see something by Culpepper, I'm going to read it. From Jason Welsh in Dunedin, Florida. I hope I pronounced that correctly. That's where I think the Blue Jays always train, Dunedin. I believe that's right. I was excited to read that a film was being shot in my hometown until I read it was, quote, a film about a struggling TV chef named Taylor who finds romance when she bumps into her childhood sweetheart during a trip to her hometown while trying to save her family's multi-generational restaurant by rekindling her father's love of cooking, all the while impressing her bosses at the fictional <laughs> culinary network. Ugh, I leave in a backdrop for a Hallmark movie. I have to move immediately. From Eric Londrigan in Boston, the official amateur cartoonist of the Tony Kornheiser show. I know that Mr. Tony isn't on the socials and may not see this if someone doesn't show him, so I'm passing along a copy by mail. Hopefully you recognize some faces without me needing to name them. I've been lucky enough to become online friends with many of the old chatter regulars, but I also snuck in some folks to honor folks that never made it. Looking uh, forward to the next studio day because it means we'll be one step closer to the next live event. I will take a look at this. And from Mike Roseberry in State College, Pennsylvania. I've managed to get a number of emails read on the show, usually insulting Saliza. But now I was wondering if I could pick your brain quickly. My buddies and I are going out to Wisconsin for the Penn State whiskey game over Labor Day weekend. And we're spending the first few nights in Chicago. Hopefully we manage to dodge the rats in the dreaded Chicago mold. Anyway, we're planning on golfing two of the days in Chicago before heading to Madison. And I was wondering if you could recommend any public courses in the Chicagoland area. Thanks for any thoughts you could provide. And more importantly, thanks for the entertainment from your dad and the crew. This is to Michael. Cog Hill is public, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm sorry. Um, I was but, looking at this beautiful uh, cartoon. But here's what I would say that Mike Roseberry should do. Just go to Olympia Fields and sign Will Bond's number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I, it's private. It's nice. It's hosted majors. You know, it's a bunch of courses. You say, there. Will Bond sent me. Yeah. You know, go, go to all these places and say, Will Bond sent me. I'm meeting him inside, so I'm yeah, going to get in there. That's what you do. And Olympia Fields is beautiful. I think Cog Hill is public. I think it is to Chicago what... Um, What's that great public course in San Francisco where they held the PGA? Harding Park? Yeah, that's a public course, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think Coghill is public, and I think it's really good. Check anyway, out the fried egg. Yeah, if you're, uh, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscaping y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta. Life can be so very strange If we're afraid to face the change That comes with every single moment lived The world is programmed to evolve It doesn't care if we evolve into A theory some old reference gives As long as death defines alive and well Long as rust destroys the strength of nails And clouds gather on the plain And rain I believe that the only constant is a morning sigh a good night kiss, a 
love that lives outside the pain of time, like yours and try to see each other's point of view But all we do is legislate Black and white Love and hate As if we absolutely had a clue As long as death Defines alive and well As long as rust destroys the strength of nails And clouds gather on the plain And rain I believe that the only constant is A morning sigh, a good night kiss A love that lives outside the pain Time, like baby yours and
strangers in the bedroom, defectors on the phone, double agents everywhere know we are not alone. The black sedan is waiting as the rain begins to fall. I still love you in the underground Behind the Berlin Wall Behind the Berlin Wall Behind the Berlin Wall Behind the Berlin Wall, the Berlin Wall. Weapons that are hit Passports that are fakes No time for empty promises, no time for mistakes. I feel your heartbeat pound, baby, as we begin to crawl. Our love is past that border now, behind the Berlin Wall. Behind the Berlin Behind the Berlin Wall Behind the Berlin Wall Escape is out of the question There's no freedom in return All roads lead here anyway, baby And every bridge is burned Our love and our revolution behind 